Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. Today, I'm so happy to introduce you to my friend, Jennifer Dukes-Lee. I first met well, not met in person, but met online through Jennifer's uh, wonderful blog link up. And I would see her smiling face every week. And I love to comment on what she had to say. And at that time, she just uh, written a book, Love Dare, and then also won the Happiness Dare, I think that was called that. And um, so we sort of became friends that way. And now she's come up with so many other books, and I want her to talk about those. But first of all, Jennifer, if today, if you could just uh, begin by telling us a little bit about your family, where you live, that's so important to me, and um, what your uh, ministry consists of. And then we'll go into the legacy questions after that. Absolutely, Sue. It's really fun to be here and get to be a special part of your wonderful podcast and all of your listeners who join you. So thank you so much. I am coming to you today from a fifth generation farm mm. in Northwest Iowa. And my husband and I are growing 700 acres of corn and soybeans. Mm. And we have about a thousand pigs. Oh we, also have, <laughs> we also have two human beings okay. that we're raising as well as crops and pigs. And mm. our uh, daughters are Lydia and Anna. Lydia is a freshman at Iowa State University, and Anna is a sophomore in high school. And um, we are very close with uh, the family here, of course, and with the land, and really just think a lot about the generations who have worked this land before. And Scott's mother-in-law lives just a couple miles away on the original farm place, and just a a really good place to live. That's a legacy in itself, just five generations. It reminds me a little bit of, of Sarah. Geringer too. She's lived so long where she is too. And just to be surrounded by family, it's, it's so unusual because my parents came from the Midwest to Southern California. And so we only got to see grandparents about every three years at that time, we would drive all the way back to Wisconsin. So um, can you just tell me, were you affected at all by the terrible uh, windstorms or whatever they were, those terrible storms that came through last summer or fall in Iowa? Right, the derecho, and um, it really hit farmers more in the central and eastern part of the state. We're tucked up in the northwest corner, and we're this time relatively untouched by that particular storm. However, over our many years here, we've seen storms like that, and also hailstorms and snow that covered our fields before we were able to get the crops out and in addition um last year we were unable to even get into the fields due to a vast amount of rain that just kept pouring down on us Hmm. all spring long and so but there are also years of great abundance and um i think that one of the gifts of living on a farm and being sort of uh, at the mercy of the weather is just this trusting god that we just plant seeds in the fields that we have been given and trust that God will bring sun when it's needed and rain when it's needed. And um, we just, the harvest always comes. It, hmm. you know, there's something always to harvest. There's always hmm. something that, to be grateful for. Wow. I, I think that farmers are some of the bravest people in the world. Uh, and um, you get to practice every day depending on God because of weather. I mean, we all need to practice living depending on God, but it just seems to be so much more. Uh, real 
when you have to go outside and say, Lord, how come we haven't had rain? That's because I live in California. We don't have enough rain. But there's so many farmers in the Central Valley who suffer as a result. So anyway, that's not really our topic, but I just thought it was interesting that you have to live through um, things that really you, you'd have to depend on God. Has that changed the way you rely on God at all, just being married to a farmer? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I talk a lot about that in my ministry and really it's the essence of two of my books, one that's coming out this week and, and then my previous title that came out in 2018. Mm. And that is this, this being in this world that I live in now that I never expected to live this reliance on God and this knowledge that we go through seasons and this, you know, that we are all called, whether we live in Manhattan or Maui or right. in Iowa, that we're all called <laughs> seeds in the fields that God has given us. Mm. And that I trust is growing. And I, we're all planting seeds in people, in ministries, in businesses. And sometimes we look out on our fields and think, why do I not see more growth? Mm. And on this farm, uh, I, you know, the growth day to day is practically in, imperceptible. But we do see when we look over seasons and over an entire growing season that indeed uh, there is something to be proud of and something to, to um, give glory to God for and something to harvest and give thanks for. And that's really just been such an encouragement to my own heart. And that whole rain season that I was telling you about mm -hmm. when we couldn't get in the fields, it was that year actually that was the impetus for this growing slow book that I am releasing now uh, because I could look out on that and Scott and I were like, this is going to be a growing slow kind of year. Wow. And this, wow. It's going to take some time to get into the fields and it's going to take some time to get the crops out of them. But we believed based on the goodness of God and the pattern of his faithfulness and steadfastness over the years that we would see a harvest. We believed wow. it for our fields, but I had to begin to ask myself, do I believe it for my life? Do I believe that it's possible to plant things and trust that God will grow something good out of it? Mm, wow. When I see immediate results. That uh, reminds me of an article I just wrote called uh, Living in the Land of the Unseen because we do plant seeds. I just, that was such an encouragement where you just said your voice cut out a little bit, so I might want you to repeat a bit of it, but I didn't want to interrupt you. But the fact that we, we do what God has called us to do and we plant seeds in a different way, you do it differently than I do and vice versa and all these people that we know who know Jesus, we don't have to plant them like the next farmer. We plant them the way God has asked us to and then we still need to wait. And I think it's in the waiting that we really well, for me, it evaluates, do I really believe God or not? Do I really believe that he's in control or not? Which has to do with your control book as well. I want to ask you this. In your, uh, in your bio, you say, once upon a time, she didn't believe in Jesus. Now he is her CEO. I'd love to hear that story. But I also want to hear why CEO versus uh, master, shepherd, redeemer, and friend. Well, of course, he's all of those things, of course. too. But in my ministry, he's my boss. Uh, um, and so you've, if you've read that bio, it's probably on, you pulled it from my um, website or something like that. So mm. this is the guy that I answer to for everything. Uh, and I love so it. he's the CEO of my life. He is the chief um, operating officer, the, the chief executive officer, um, the one who calls the shots. And in many times in my life, it's been the other way around. Mm. Um, when I came to know the Lord, um, I it didn't take very long to start to come to him as somebody that these are the things I want you to do for me today oh. or this week, or 
this year. And so I was a CEO of my life. I was in control and he was an employee. That's the way I treated him. And so um, that's a way of me saying that all that I am and all that I do is in, is in the hands of my Lord. So that is the CEO. That is the answer to the CEO question. I like the that. answer to your question is a bit more complicated. And so I'll try to give you the Cliff's Notes version. But I grew up in a church in Iowa. In Iowa. I grew up in the faith with parents who believed and who took me to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. But from about the time that I was maybe 12 or 13 years old, uh, I began to have intellectual questions about the, about the story. And um, I didn't even know like if a historical Jesus existed. It just did not, it did not register with me. Hmm. So it began to feel like a fairy tale. Um, And I I felt the depth of that doubt way into my twenties. And um, during my news reporting career, which was my, my job before I was a book author um, in my news reporting career, I, traveled around the Midwest, primarily around Iowa, on news assignments and um, would get tired of the same old songs on the FM radio and I would turn over the AM dial mm-hmm. and I would hear these kind of evangelical preachers talking about the Lord and like quoting these Bible verses. I'm like, I've heard that before, but it's striking me in a whole new way. And so hmm. God was working, interestingly enough, through AM radio. Wow. Christian stations to plant seeds in me that had been planted earlier in that, that little church where I grew up, but that hadn't really taken root yet. And so um, even I myself am a field being planted mm-hmm. uh, like these fields here on our farm. And so God, God started to grow faith in me and um, it became a wild and wonderful journey. And I began to look at the scriptures as a news reporter would. So I began to study them like, what is real? What is truth? And um, that has been obviously life-changing for me. And so it's interesting to me that this God that I didn't used to believe in is now my, my reason and for living, for existing. He's the, 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 what I do. Like that, my, my whole ministry, I have a ministry now professing something that I didn't even think was real at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, so many questions I have for you, but one is sometimes we worry about how we present Christ. Like it has to be a very professional, intellectual way, depending on the person we're sharing it with. And yet it's always God that does the work. And so I was just thinking of AM radio as something I would not, you know, wish on my best friend, uh, some days, but here God was using his word basically and the Holy spirit to, um, reawaken seeds that have been planted uh, in your uh, earlier years. I went through a doubting period as well, which I've shared with many. Um, and sometimes it just has to become your own faith and not your parents' faith. And that's what helped me. But uh, I'm, I, I'm very curious about the fact that you were a news reporter. Were you, do you miss that? Um, in a way, except that I still feel like I'm doing that. Hmm. Um, I don't, because I feel like now I'm covering the good news. Ah. So I still feel like a news reporter. And every day I sit at this place, the seat that I'm seated in right now in front of my computer, put my fingers on the keys, and I write a story 
for my followers on Facebook and Instagram. And it's a different kind of story than I used to cover when I, obviously when I was covering crime and politics, but I was, I've been, an, I was a news reporter since I was 16 years old and mm -hmm. the pace was crazy. It was wild. It was fun. I loved being like feeling like I was the first witness to some bit of history. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that was, that was quite, you know, energizing work, but the pace of it was something that I couldn't quite keep up with. And I knew just that I, that I needed to do something else with my life. And so when we came to the farm, I started writing a blog and teaching journalism and then started writing books. When you came to the Lord for real in your twenties, was your husband already a Christian? Yeah. So it's actually probably more like when I was 30, 31. Um, and Scott was, um, he didn't have trouble with belief, but he didn't, wasn't really a surrendered believer is what he would tell you. Um, he went to a retreat in 2004 that profoundly impacted him spiritually. And he's just not been the same since. <laughs> and it was just right around that same time where God was developing faith in me as well. So I, I really feel for and empathize with women and men who are have a, a believing faith, but their spouse doesn't. I recognize and see what a gift it is that mm -hmm. God was nurturing faith and faith growth in both of us at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, I want to go back to the name of your book that's out this week. Um, would you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, the book is called Growing Slow, and it's really about unhurrying your heart, and it's lessons from an accidental farm girl, because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect to be on this farm. And so I really just explore the, uh, the growing season outside my kitchen window and apply what we've learned here on the farm to our lives. And I love that and the seeds that we're planting in our children, if we're parents, that we're planting in our ministries, in our businesses, in our churches, in, in our own faith lives. Like, what are we planting? And what I see so often in the lives of women, what I have seen so often in my own life is that I'm in a hurry for progress. Mm. Like, I want to see more growth now. I want to see more progress now. Um, I see it especially uh, in this publishing industry that I'm a part of as an author and an editor, that people feel like they're falling behind. Yes. And they don't, they feel uncomfortable with slow growth. People are um, addicted to virality, like let's get big fast. Mm. But the thing about growing slow is I believe that this is God's preferred method of growing us. And that is because slow growth puts down deep roots. Mm -hmm. And deep roots are what will sustain us in the storms of life. So a little bit ago, you asked about windstorms. Uh, we'll, we'll get many windstorms here on the farm. And sometimes the wind will bend a corn plant completely over. Um, but more often, the wind will blow a corn plant so that it's at somewhat of an angle. And you'll wake up the next morning and look out at your fields and think there is no way that we're going to be able to harvest anything off of these plants. They look decimated. Hmm. But because a corn plant has put down strong roots, it is able to stabilize itself and continue to produce the fruit of corn and that we're able to harvest later. And it's because of those roots that it put down. 
And I think the mistake that so many of us are making today is we want a quick fix and we don't want to, we don't care as much about what's underground and unseen. We want the fruit up at the top, but you can't have sustainable fruit at the top without putting roots down. That's why, you know, quick fix diets don't work. Um, you know, lose weight, lose 15 pounds in two weeks or get fit in three weeks, whatever it is. Like we're so addicted to hurry. We're mm -hmm. so addicted to progress right now that we're not taking the time to put down deep roots. Why do you think that is? Do you think social media has something to do with that? I think it, I think it certainly exacerbates the problem, but I think it's just in general a, a, hum, a problem with humanity. I, I suppose that the more hurried we get and the more devices that we have to supposedly make us more productive um, really has the reverse effect, but it creates that need of that, that idea of urgency um, and it, that makes us feel have hurried hearts mm -hmm. and doesn't bring peace to our lives. I think absolutely that social media has an impact, but you know, you just look back on, you know, even, even scripturally, I think we could probably find people who were in a hurry to make a name for themselves or, gain more followers or gain more land. Um, there's a story in Exodus that where, where God says to the Israelites, hey, I'm going to give you the promised land here, but I'm going to give it to you little by little. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you, because if I don't do it that way, things are not going to go out well. I, I just can't give it to you all at once. We're going we're gonna to give you the land little by little. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the sort of lesson that we need to learn as we go and grow through life is that God is growing us little by little and the things that we are growing come little by little as we put down roots. Hmm. My uh, mentor has told me often that God has perfect timing. We are the ones with fast watches and we do, we just got a new iPhone 12. My husband and I is like 5G. Well, what does that mean? I don't know. Things go faster. And then when they don't, we get disappointed or we get frustrated or like the internet goes down for a day and we don't know what to do with ourselves. Um, that is so true. Uh, my question for you is where is the biggest challenge for you to wait on God? Is it watching things happening with your children? Is it with the farm? Is it with personal spiritual growth? Is it with your business? What is, the, what, what have you really uh, put these lessons of slow growth to work the most? I think that um, in a way that's seen most publicly, it's certainly within my ministry. Um, you know, I've been at, I've been at this a long time. I've been blogging since 2008 or nine. Me too. <laughs> and um, in the meantime, many young influencers have come onto the scene and suddenly have 200,000 Instagram followers. And I'm, you know, stuck down wherever I am this far past that. But um, I have come to peace with that. I don't, I do not fret about that anymore. I, I, honestly, I mean, there's always a challenge to build, build a platform. There's always a challenge to, you know, but get yourself out there in front of people because publishing is also, it, I mean, it's an industry yeah. and it's a business. So, that's right. It is. And so I have, those are things that I have to do, but they don't trouble me like they did in the beginning mm -hmm. because now I have the benefit of hindsight. And I also have the benefit of knowing that, that these deep roots are really what matter. Like my, I may not have 200,000 followers on Instagram, but the followers that I do have are very um, engaged and we're, we're friends and we mm -hmm. get to know each other well. And I think there's an authenticity to that. So that's the public part that people might see. The part that is um, more private, of course, is in family. 
where, you know, different points along the journey where my, my daughters have struggled uh, with various things and feeling like in the midst of the struggle that how are we ever going to get on the other side of this? Mm -hmm. And um, so that is the area where I'm probably personally challenged um, just in the day to day of mothering and, you know, leaning on God to help me to guide them in the right direction. Yeah, I, I remember hearing a missionary when I was in college saying that she didn't mind going to the mission field for herself, but she worried about her young children. And I could, I don't know why I remembered that because I was nowhere near having babies. But now that I have babies who are now adults, uh, I'm far more at peace for any struggles that I personally have than I am about their own struggles. So it's really a huge teaching faith lesson for me and perhaps all of us as moms to watch our kids struggle and then just let them struggle in a sense, do what we can. But prayer is the main thing. Keep turning their eyes to the Lord without pushing him down their throats is a very delicate balance. And it's been good for me. And uh, when I, when I hear that title of your book, I thought I immediately thought of my kids because they have deep roots, but I, I don't always see the results and I hope they're not listening, but they know that <laughs> they know that. And, uh, I, I think the best testimony we can give them is to show peace and faith in God, that God's going to work things out. And for me to say that in a text, I love texting for that reason. You know, you're going to be okay. God's, God loves you so much without any judgment, without any advice, unless they're asking. One time I said, you know, I'm not going to give you any more advice unless you ask me. And one sweet child said, we can still ask you, right? And I go, oh yeah, it's my spiritual gift, so be sure to ask me. But uh, that's terrific. Now, as far as legacy, I, I can probably guess what your legacy is, but I'd love to hear it from, your, um, from you right now. What, what do you want to pass down to those who know and love you? A trail of love for Jesus. Mm, why'd you say trail? No, it's just the word that came to mind. Mm. Um, because maybe it's the trail is a path that leads somewhere and, um, I don't know. I just, it's just the word that came to mind. Um, like a breadcrumbs, <laughs> I guess a trail of breadcrumbs. So the trail it, of it's, love. it's beautiful to display his grace. Uh, how are you currently doing that? Do you think? So in, in, um, I'll, I, this is in no particular order, but for instance, in ministry, and um, when I when I speak in um, at a conference or a retreat with women, one of the things that I have struggled with from the beginning of this ministry is uh, insecurity over how I'm doing in as a speaker, and I have moved from that because the the point is not when I go to speak is not that they would come to like Jennifer more. The point is that when they leave the room, that they will leave that room more in love with Jesus than when they entered. Amen. So that is the way that I feel about my speaking. It's the way that I feel about my books. It's the way that I feel about my social media. Now that's the public part. And I'll go back to the private and it's even more so. And it feels even more urgent with my children and um, that they would have a deep, abiding love for Jesus. And that's it. That through the storms of life, life, that they will know that he is faithful. Even more than them thinking and talking about at my funeral or years later, boy, mom sure loved Jesus. That's, that's nice. That'd be a nice legacy to leave. But more important to me is that they would love Jesus. Oh, 
totally. And so less about less about me as mom and what I did, and more about the fruit fruit from the seeds that I planted. Now, the way that they learn that from mom is that mom hopefully models models it mm-hmm. in in daily life, and I, I hope that I've done that from when they were when they were young. Do you, have you had to make any changes or overcome any obstacles uh, to make that happen? Can you think of yes, one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that um, uh, one that that I hear young moms talk about a lot that I had to overcome as well is I don't have time to study the Bible. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to do a Bible study. I'm too busy to pray. I'm too busy to slow down. I got too many things on my plate. Well, I want to speak if you have young moms listening right now or grandmas with, with young ones. I am so glad that I went and sat down anyway. When the girls were little, they had uh, little prayer journals that they would that I gave to them while I was doing my Beth Moore Bible studies. And I still have them, and they're just precious. And it doesn't mean that my study time was the most productive, but they right. have memory of moms going ahead and mm-hmm. sitting down with their with the Bible and with these tens of studies that I was able to complete and that I was able to grow from personally. And at the same time, now, here my girls are teenagers, 19 and 16 years old, and they have their own prayer journals, not little ones that I gave them, but really like prayer journals that are really digging in and really studying the scriptures. So I see the fruit of it, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't have seen that when they were three and five years old. When oh, they were no. tucking my, mm-hmm. uh, at my pant legs to like, I'm done with my prayer journal, mommy, let's go yeah. do something. But there, there's fruit from it now that I, I could not have foreseen. Mm-hmm. And so that was a huge obstacle for me, but one that the Lord helped me overcome. And then no, and now only like 15 years later, can I really see the fruit of it? Isn't that, that is so encouraging and it's very true. And um, I have coffee rings on my favorite devotional books or uh, crayon, you know, markings inside because my kids were with me when I was still trying to sit at Jesus' feet. I recently, well, this past year, came across uh, the amplified version of that section of scripture of Mary and Martha. And it says that uh, when Jesus said to uh, Martha that Mary had chosen the better thing, the essential thing, in the amplified, it says uh, that which was to her advantage. And I thought, I try to tell my kids, you know, it's to your advantage, or I tell women when I speak, but I think I tell myself first, it's to your advantage, Sue, that you work out physically at least seven minutes and to your advantage that you start with Jesus calling, if nothing else, and then look up all those scriptures and then keep reading and get another cup of coffee or whatever it takes. And don't check social media until you're finished with at least that. Uh, I was talking to Susie Eller this week and she says, I take 11 minutes. I go, why 11 minutes? I don't know. You know, just choose something that says, okay, I can make this habit work for me. Not that the habit, uh, makes me more spiritual, but habits help me worship. So that's a great encouragement. Any wisdom you'd like to share and leave with our audience uh, as we close up today, Jennifer? You've been so terrific. Well, I have something very practical that I think I'd like to share that I think that all of the listeners can do, and they could actually start this tomorrow or next week. Okay, no. And that, um, I, if, if you're wanting to, if, if the idea of leaving a trail of love for Jesus sounds appealing to you, one of the ways that I have done that this past year is I have a journaling Bible, been reading through it in a year, and the entire time I'm reading it, it is in, intently, every note that I'm leaving is for Lydia, for my oldest daughter. 
So every, it, it, when the scripture, when something just hits me and there's something that I want her to know, when there's something that I, a scripture that I've leaned on for years or a scripture that perhaps um, her grandmother, her aunt, or uh, something that we read a lot in church, like I, the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, all of the notes are for Lydia so that she can look back on that someday and see um, how mom leaned on Jesus and how this whole community of believers where we live leans on Jesus. And so you could, I'm going to do that now. I'm doing that now for Anna, for our other daughter. Hmm. And who knows who else I might do that for over the years. It's a great way to read the Bible, but also then a great way to bless somebody else and leave hmm. a trail of love. And so um, I would encourage like a very practical thing that you could do on making your life count for something uh, beyond yourself is to, do that same thing, find a $30 Bible and start writing it for a daughter, a son, a grandson, a niece, um, a spouse. Hmm. Like the whole time that every prayer, every note, every little thing that you've put in the margin is for that person. Hmm. And what a gift would that be to give to that, that loved one? Do you have and a particular, what, what particular Bible do you use? Because I'm going to do that. It might, it'll take me three years though, because I have three kids, but that's okay. The more <laughs> word, the better. So this is the one that I have is the, uh, it's the Crossway is the publisher. Okay. And it's an ESV single column journaling Bible. And I think it's, it's about 30 some dollars on Amazon. It's leather. Okay. Um, what I do is I go through a Bible reading plan. Uh, it's a uh, reading the entire Bible um, in a year, chronological ish sort of reading plan. Um, and I just make my way through it. Um, five days a week on my little plan. So, uh, and then I just write write notes. Sometimes, sometimes it's harder to write notes in the margins. It's harder to to like slog through Ezekiel, for instance. But God wants me to read Ezekiel too. So I try to find things in Ezekiel that seem that seem like I want my kids to know this about what's in Ezekiel. But I have a lot more written in the margins on, for instance, the Gospel of the John. Psalm. Yeah, our Psalms. <laughs> I do in like Ezra or Nehemiah. So. Well, this is such a practical thing to leave a trail for loving Jesus. I journal in my Bible all the time, but it's not a journaling Bible. So when I go back, even yesterday I was reading, I thought, I wonder what I said here because I cannot read my handwriting and uh, because I'm scrunching it. So thank you for that. So practical. What a beautiful, blessed legacy you are leaving. And may I live long enough to do it three times for my girls. Otherwise, they're going to have to scrunch their eyes up and see what in the world was the Holy Spirit saying to my mother that day. Um, Jennifer, this has been a delight. Uh, I will put all the links to all your books, especially the one coming out this week. I'm excited to have you um, be introduced to my listeners if they don't know you already. And thank you so much. Thank you. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.